Hello, my friends. It's me. It's Jeremy. I'm back branching out college admissions in the world it inhabits. It's good to be back with all of you. It's been some time uh, since my last post, but as you can can guess, uh, things have been a little crazy on the Penn State front, my day-to-day job, but also uh, since I received the uh, presidency, took on the presidency of the Pennsylvania Association for College Admission Counseling. And this week's episode actually features my acceptance speech. Um, As I received the gavel from Mary Smith, our immediate past president, uh, I addressed our membership at large and I shared some things that I thought were very important for us to talk about as an association and acknowledge in our work moving forward uh, because we're in an interesting year and there's been a lot of disruption in this year, but from disruption comes opportunity. And so I wanted to share this at large through the podcast because I think it's pertinent to the work we're trying to do through the Pennsylvania Association for College Admission Counseling under my presidency for this year and something that we will target and be intentional about in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead. I hope you enjoy the speech. It's not very long. This is probably going to be my shortest podcast to date, but I just wanted to finally share this. We had a plan to share it by way of YouTube. Uh, a few months back, but that just never came to fruition. So instead of holding off, I decided let's just share it through the podcast form. That way, those people who have been asking me to hear it, who weren't able to attend the conference back in June could hear it this way. So welcome back to branching out college admission in the world it inhabits. I hope you enjoy. I have my gavel. And I am very privileged to pass it somehow through the screen to our wonderful now current president, Jeremy Branch. Jeremy, it's all yours. Thank you, Mary. Thank you so very much. Um, I, I echo those same sentiments that you said towards Dave to both of you. It has been awesome to serve with both of you in this in this interesting year. And it was funny when I received the nomination to serve in the presidential cycle, two people said the exact same thing to me at different occasions. Dave Antonowitz said this to me and Ian Harkness, former uh, president of PACEC said this. They said, do not rush the three years away. And that's an interesting thing because when you first receive this appointment, the first thing you think to yourself is, I committed to this for three years. Three years. How old will I be when this is over? Right. But after doing this year, this president elect year, you see why they say that because it moves so quickly. You're so involved in important work. And at the same time, you're enjoying it with the people that you serve with. And we know that old adage that time flies when you're having fun. And that's certainly what happened this past year, getting to serve with the two of you. So uh, I thank you for handing the gavel. And I just want to address everybody in the membership that's still on the call. Did you have a good time over these last two days? Nods of heads, little, little hand wave, jazz hand thingies, right? I'm glad that you do, you did and that you still are. And I have to tell you, I'm still in a bit of shock that we're not together. And every time I look at Dave Antonowitz and his screensaver and I see seven springs in the back, my heart aches a little bit 
right? Because that is one of the places that if you wind up going to more than one PAC at conference, at some point in time, hopefully, you spend some time at Seven Springs with all of us. And it becomes almost like the PAC at home, like the unofficial home of our association. So not to be there with all of you was difficult. But just as was said before, I personally am so extremely appreciative of Taylor Miller the conference planning committee in all the individuals who had a role and had a hand in making this thing happen. Just to just think about what they had to do. Taylor and the crew, when they got their commission, right, to make this conference happen at seven Springs, they fully planned for that for about half a year, right? All their energy had gone into that, all their enthusiasm. You're thinking about doing, you know, my favorite part, the meal testing, Right. So you get you're doing the little taste test. Right. You're starting to envision where the different things are going to be. The PACX signage, you know, how sign in going to go. When do we get registration up? And then they had to transition to bringing us all online virtually. Emotionally, that had to take a toll. This is not what Taylor signed up for, but she didn't complain. And it reminded me of just how much our leadership throughout this association has just charged forward without complaining. Dave Antonowitz did not expect to step into his presidential cycle and have to deal with the Department of Justice investigation. Didn't expect it, but he didn't complain. Mary Smith didn't complain when she had to deal with the fallout of the Department of Justice and, oh yeah, a pandemic. She didn't complain, right? So I sit here in front of you taking the gavel, and I'm certainly not going to complain either. It warms my heart that so many of you have hung on uh, to hear me in, in my closing words and remarks today. As I expressed to some of you as you were coming uh, into this particular session, I was confident that, you know, about 10 people would stay on. And so the fact that 11 of you have stayed with me, it means a lot. It really does mean a lot. Um, it warms my heart also uh, to be able to just share some comments with you and give you a little bit of an idea as to who I am. I know some of you are like, who is this fool and why does he have the gavel, right? Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit of my background to help you understand who I am before uh, I step into this role. My name is Jeremy Branch, right? I'm the Senior Assistant Director of Enrollment Management at Penn State's Brandywine Campus uh, in Media, Pennsylvania, where I've actually spent the totality of my college admissions career. All almost 14 years of my time in admissions has been there, right? Um, I also, in addition to my recruitment and territory management responsibilities, I also serve as a part of the Schreier Honors College Review Committee for the university. And I try to do a lot for the communities that I serve in my territory. So I also sit on seven different school counseling advisory boards. And I also have a podcast, Branching Out, College Admissions in the World It Inhabits, which uh, I encourage you to find on Spotify and iTunes as I'll be having the President's Pod, uh, little episodes to feature different members of our membership over the coming year. So I invite you to come on and have a conversation with me for the benefit of the membership. Um, in terms of my background, I, many of you probably don't know this, but I grew up in Philadelphia. How many of you knew that? I grew up in Philadelphia, actually, in particularly West Philadelphia. Uh, West Philadelphia is where I was born. It's where I was raised. And in the playgrounds is also where I spent most of my days. I chilled out 
I relaxed. I maxed out all cool. And I shot a lot of basketball after school. But then there came a time where a couple of guys that just weren't up to any good started making trouble in my personal neighborhood. And my parents got scared. And they said, you're moving with the whole family out to Wallingford, right? That actually, the Fresh Prince theme song is actually in part my life story. We lived in Philadelphia till I was 11 years old. And unfortunately, due to some changes in the environment and in our beloved neighborhood, my parents made the choice to move us out to Wallingford. So I spent all of my middle school years and my high school years in the Wallingford Swarthmore School District and my graduate of Strathaven High School. Then I went on to Penn State's Brandywine campus where I studied communications and now where I work now. In terms of my personal family, I am married to my darling wife, Leia. Yes, she is named after the princess in Star Wars. And yes, it is religion in my household. And we have one child, our baby boy, Brooks. We call him the great golden baby, right? He's uh, almost eight years old and he had to endure this first grade year uh, dealing with the pandemic, which was definitely a challenge. And I know all you parents out there can certainly relate to that. Uh, outside of work and family, many of you who know me well know that I'm a very spiritual man. I actually serve as one of the overseers in my congregation and do a lot of teaching assignments through that. I love sports. I don't care what sport it is. I don't care if it's two boys in the backyard throwing a ball. If it's televised, I will watch it. Right. And out of all my interests, I say my number one interest is probably music. I love music. I was in a punk band in college. Uh, many of you don't know that. A lot of my leanings are still in that community and the various subgenres. But I also love classic rock like The Grateful Dead and a lot of jazz as well. All right. But if I was to think of one descriptor, one thing that sums me up in a nutshell, it's that I'm happy. And I hope some of you have seen that when I do your programs and I speak with you and I engage with you through professional development and other things, I'm very happy. But recently, some friends of mine have been a little surprised to hear me still uh, say that, right? Because a lot has gone on in this country and around the world. We, we've spoken about it a lot over the last two days, but you know, these six months have been really hard. Think about it. The world has been victim to a pandemic. So our lives, our routines, our plans, our profession has experienced a lot of disruption. And then you put the cherry on top of all of that police brutality and the systematic racism that continues to rear its ugly head has made it even more difficult to deal with. Yet, as we stand at this crucial moment in history, I am happy. Because here, in my little corner of the universe, despite all that is going on around me, I have realized that we have a great opportunity in front of us to dramatically impact the lives of the people we interact with for the positive. Especially when it comes to the work we do and the students that we serve. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, let's take the coronavirus as an example, right? That pandemic forced us to transition and to pivot quickly to virtual learning and in short order. This was challenging indeed, but although it has been difficult and it does not replace being in person, we would all prefer that, right? It has created a remarkable opportunity for us here in PACAC and how we serve our membership. The move to virtual instruction has caused us to learn new technologies that maybe we would have put off or maybe never learned before. I think it's safe to say that each and every one of us on the Zoom right now are Zoom experts. And if we had to put a call together, it wouldn't take us any time, right? 
Well, that's due to the circumstances that we're living in now. It's forced us to rebuild. It's forced us to rethink how we do things. It's, it's forced us to take a look at our programming and to adapt. It's caused us to practice and improve on instructing in this space. Through diligent and deliberate effort, it will allow us to offer more programming directly to our membership. It has been apparent to me over the last two days that people are thirsting for connection, knowledge, and training in leadership in the college counseling profession right now. For those of you who attended the Shifting Sands session yesterday, you know that I am very concerned about a few things that face all of you in the work that you do. For admissions counselors, your well-being weighs heavily on my mind right now. You work at colleges and universities where now every Tom, Dick, and Harry wants to know what's going on with the numbers. See, we are used to certain people on our campus being interested in that, right? Our university presidents are always interested in that. And as I remarked yesterday, our finance officers always care what's going on with the numbers. However, I'm sure many of you can agree that now you're hearing from people that you, you may not have even known worked on your campus asking you where the freshman numbers at are students indicating they're going to do a gap year and it amazes you how many people actually know what a gap year is now right before if somebody had asked about a gap year you might have thought that they were talking about a shop at the king of prussia mall right but now you know exactly what they're talking about and they know what you're talking about what you when you mention it our admissions counselors are usually the most overworked people on campus you're the most underpaid Yet you will be tasked with figuring out how to recruit students in the age of COVID-19 as most likely no one else in your office is an expert on that space yet. How will you do it? For our admissions directors, deans, and vice presidents, right now, I worry about you. Your efforts are constantly being questioned. People who you report to are always asking you, so here's the problem, what are you doing about it? As if this hasn't been a disruption for all of us, right? All of a sudden, you're supposed to be an expert in a space that we didn't even know would exist in the year of 2020. The pressure is mounting on you, and we're starting to come to a really interesting crossroads, aren't we? Where personal values are going to be challenged when institutional priorities may try to usurp them. What will you do? How will we react? Well, know that in my role as president, I will make sure that this association will support you. Over the next year, we expect budgets to be slashed. Your emotional and literal bandwidth will be taxed. But this association is going to work extremely hard in the digital space to bring programming to you and to help you carry those burdens. We're gonna provide a space for you to talk and to collaborate, and we'll have more on that in the coming weeks. For my school counseling friends and college counseling folks on the secondary side, you know that I love you. School counselors, many people don't know this, but they're the reason why I actually remained in college admission. See, as I got to know them, Going into my high school visits, after I engage with the students, I, I walk by the school counseling office, and you get to really see in their space what they really encounter. And it is insulting to me now, over the years, when I spend time with these professionals, if anyone indicates to me that their school counselor does not do enough, you're going to have a problem with me. You're going to have a problem with me right then and there, right? But I worry about you. 
Counselor burnout was a worry for many counselors before COVID-19, but as the fall approaches, I worry about what you will encounter. See, trauma-informed counseling is something that you school counselors are going to have to do. These students who have used you as a support network for years have not had access to you in the same way over the six months. So what happens in the fall when those doors open back up and now you're there? The dump that will fall on top of you from your students as well as administrators, it concerns me. Who is going to do the trauma counseling for the counselors? I promise you that we here at PACAC will do the best to assist you in the work that you do. We're gonna provide programming to assist you in your efforts. We are going to advocate on your behalf. We are gonna bring the programming to you. And we will work extra hard over this next year to get more school counselors, especially public school counselors, involved in the association in a much fuller way. We need you, we need your voice, we need your perspective, we need your expertise. And hopefully with Zoom and other means, it will be easier for you to be involved and to feel supported. This now brings me to the other challenge we faced over the last six months. Police brutality and the systematic racism that continues to plague the world that we live in. I first wanna say thank you to the members of the PACAC community who have reached out to me over the last couple of weeks. It was not expected, but this is a, it, just an example of what happens when you become a part of just meaningful and fruitful professional development and associations. It's been unbelievable. A lot of people have expressed their support and they've provided a listening ear during these trying times. What is happening around the country is disheartening. It is worrisome. And I'm not gonna lie to you, I have had moments where I've regretted bringing my son with his pure heart into this detestable world. But let me tell you something about me personally. I have always known my value. And I've always known the value of all people because as I mentioned to you, I'm a spiritual man. And young in my years, my father brought me to a scripture at Acts the 10th chapter verses 34 and 35 that taught me that God is not partial, but in every nation, the man that fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. So because of that, I know that I have always mattered in the eyes of the one whose opinion I care about the most. Yet that being said, I understand that others may be struggling in this time, trying to find the same peace that I have been fortunate to find. But I am happy because in my little corner of the universe, I can steer this organization to strengthen its commitment to serving black and brown students as well as those who serve them. Because of that, I would like to announce that I have charged our professional development director, Ryan Gillen, and his co-chairs of the Professional Development Committee, Catherine Souza and Krista Evans, to make sure that diversity, equity, and inclusion are represented throughout all PACAC programming from this day forward. From the sessions offered to the presenters featured and the frequency of the programming that is offered. Invitations will be going out shortly to those who have been selected to serve in a small working group to begin these preparations. After that, a larger call will go out to the membership at large so that anyone who wants to be a part of these efforts can do so. Now, when it comes to systematic racism, I'm sure that I feel very similar to many of you. I'm tired of the talking. 
And I heard this brought up in one of our sessions earlier, the accept, accept session. See, to me, it feels like ever since the murder of Trayvon Martin, we've seen outrage over the senseless murder of black and brown people. It feels like weekly. So the Facebookers, they change their profile pictures, right? And they maybe put a little filter on it that shows their support for what's going on. Tweeters retreat uh, salient points from others made on the platform and the conversations ensue and people want to know, what do we do? What do we do? Right? But see, the problem is after a few weeks, those profile pictures change back. It goes back to the dog, right? The tweets return back to meme sharing and popular culture and the conversations stop. But why is that? Well, because oftentimes education has not been a part of the solution. Think about it. Without education, nothing will improve. Ignorance leads to fear, hate, and persecution. Education leads to knowledge that leads to understanding, which leads to action. That is why the work we do and the action you take from this day forward is so important. It needs to be purposeful. It needs to be in small ways. It needs to be in very large ways. I want each of you on this Zoom call to think about this question I'm going to pose to you. I want you to think about it today. I want you to think about it Friday. I want you to think about it a month from now. This is the question. What do I do with the privilege, access, and means that I have to help others who may not have any of the aforementioned things? I will repeat that. What do I do with the privilege, access, and means that I have to help those who may not have any of those aforementioned things? The real test of how committed you are will be in how you respond, not today, but in the weeks and months ahead. See, at some point, my friends, the streets are going to empty. At some point, the embers of the burning storefronts will go out. At some point, the news media will direct its attention somewhere else, but will you? But will you? Here are a few scenarios that may soon test what you are really about. In your next admissions committee meeting, when that young black male with a good GPA, okay test scores, or maybe no test scores at all, and well-written essay, when that application comes across your desk, will you take those extra moments to dig deeper into this young man's application, regardless of your school's manufactured school profile? Many of our colleges and universities, the means we've used to evaluate students in our admissions offices have been steeped in racism. And we may not feel that in our immediate tenure there, right? Maybe we've been at the institution for 15 years or 10 years and we're like, I haven't seen that as the motivations, the underlying causes. But see, a lot of times the practices that our colleges and universities have had in place were established 30 and 40 years ago. And I'm going to tell you something, not every head of an admissions office at that time was a Dale Gustafson. They weren't all like that. So when you have a young man's application come across your table with that fine GPA and an excellent essay, but he doesn't fit your manufactured school profile, how will you respond? When your department interviews candidates for that open position, 
Will you question that one colleague who just always seems to remark, there's just something that bothers me about him or her whenever a minority candidate is being discussed? Will you call them out? Will you show empathy to the first generation black woman on your caseload whose college search is more of a process than a journey because of the lack of support, legacy, or college going know-how that may exist in her home? Will you extend that empathy to her? See, if you're willing to do this in the coming days, weeks, and months for your black and brown students, I applaud you. You are part of the solution. Thank you. But if you are not willing to do that, then you are part of the problem. As you head back to your offices, I hope you feel encouraged. I hope you feel supported. And I hope you feel cared for after these two days of PACAC programming. I hope you remain engaged, committed, and thoughtful members of this association because we need you. That call's not just out there for the experts, it's for my young admissions counselors too. Those of you who have only been in the profession one, five, 10 years, we need your voice. No one understands these young people, these beautiful souls that we are recruiting maybe more than you because you're in closer in age to them. We need you to reach out and be a part, an active member of the PACAC community. Yes, as you go back to your offices feeling recharged to do the work, know that I'm here in my little corner of the universe serving you as PACAC president. Quick to listen, prepared to speak, and ready to act. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast this week. I hope you enjoyed the speech and had an idea of where we as an association are moving going forward. Uh, in future podcast episodes, I ha hope to share a little bit more about some of the things we've been doing to address diversity, equity, and inclusion head on. We have wasted no time in bringing that to our membership at large and talking about these very important issues that affect our students directly, but also us as professionals, right? We are the ones who are counseling these young men and women through this unbelievable college journey that they're going through. Uh, but unfortunately, as was mentioned in the speech, um, the journey's not the same type of uh, thing for everybody. For some people, it's more of a process than it is a journey. And uh, we're aiming as an association, as professionals within that association, to fix that, to make that right by all of the students that we serve. So I look forward to sharing more information about that in future podcast episodes. You can find me online at jbranchpsu on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you once again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time.